Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. I'm your host, Kayla Dahl, and I am just so happy to welcome you to my cozy, safe space corner of the internet. Uh, If you're new here, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever app you're listening on so that you don't miss new episodes. If you are coming back for more, I love you. Thank you for being here. Um, I interview comedians, entertainers, and people about their mental health issues, and we find a way to laugh about it. Because I feel like if you can laugh about something, then it no longer has power over you. Also, quick little disclaimer, I am not a doctor. This is not a substitute for medical advice. I'm just a kooky, quirky gal who wants you to feel less alone and wants you to feel better. So... Wow. I just want to say before I get into today's episode, uh, thank you so much for all of the amazing feedback on episode one of this season. I was so raw and vulnerable and I was nervous to share my story about calling off my wedding and processing intergenerational trauma and all the other things I've been through as well as, uh, you know, changing my name. (laughs) It used to be Katie, it's Kayla now, going by my Hebrew name because it just really feels more aligned with the truth of who I am now, who I'm showing up as in the world. So I just want to say thank you for all the positive feedback on that because uh, it really makes my heart sing. I have heard from so many people who have gone through divorce, leaving toxic relationships, uh, or just people who are trying to change careers or do anything above the age of 30 and it's giving them more courage to move forward. So I feel like my suffering has a purpose. My goal has been achieved and listen, life really throws you some surprises, Uh, but I wouldn't change the experiences for anything. Now, as I'm recording this, it is the week of Thanksgiving, and I know that a lot of us are getting into seasonal holiday blues, and I feel you, but um, we have a treat coming up for you this episode. So um, this episode, I'm interviewing Jay Washington. He is a wrestler, a stand-up comic, and he hosts two different podcasts, one, which is the Mad Titan podcast, and the other, Blurreds in the Hood. And he's on YouTube, he's on Twitch, he does stand-up all over the place. And more importantly than all of that stuff, he is just a fucking gem of a human being. He has been through hell and back and has lived to tell the tale. We talk about black men's mental health and how a lot of um, black men are socialized not to talk about their feelings and not to go to therapy. And Jay is really working to change that. He shares about how he got his start in wrestling, how he discovered his comedic voice in the ring. Fun fact, he was actually a wrestler before he was a comic. We also get into divorce and trigger warning, suicide attempt. But despite all of this, 
Jay is able to keep his confidence and his swagger and he is stronger because of all the things he's had to overcome. It's a really powerful episode and we have a lot of laughs, a lot of fun, a lot of banter. Uh, Jay, you're listening to this. You are welcome on the show anytime. Now, I know we're going to get to the interview. I have a few other little housekeeping things to get into before we get there. So if you like what you hear today, the biggest gift that you can give me as we head into... Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, uh, whatever, Festivus, right? That's the one that they do on Seinfeld with the spaghetti monster, right? Whatever holiday it is that you celebrate, uh, if you enjoy what you're hearing here today, I want you to go to Apple Podcasts, I want you to hit follow, and I want you to leave a rating and a review. Those reviews really help the podcast get out to more people so that we can continue to spread the word about mental health, and also some dark comedy and not taking ourselves so seriously. And it helps me so I can keep this show going. You know what else helps me, which is really exciting because I know all of you are looking to start gift shopping. And let me tell you, CBD, it's a great gift. I mean, and it's an all ages gift. Uh, So I am really, really excited that I am now officially sponsored by Papa and Barkley. Popman and Barkley is a wonderful company. They started off creating a balm to relieve back pain. And now they've expanded from these topicals into massage oils and tinctures and lotions and gummies. They've got a little bit of everything. And they have over 250 plus farm partners who hand plant, hand harvest, and slow cure their cannabis without any chemicals. So uh, I want my sunnies to feel better this holiday season and honestly all the time. So this promo code will give you 20% off your entire order. Go to papaandbarkley.com, use code crying. (laughs) Yes, that's the code for all of my sunnies here crying. And uh, you'll get 20% off. Like I said, they have a CBD relief balm, massage oils, tinctures. It's non-intoxicating. It's not going to make you feel high, but it is great if you're stressed, if you need better sleep. And the topicals are bar none. I use their relief balm on my wrist all the time because I have carpal tunnel and it is magic. Or if I'm stressed and I feel that tension in my neck and my shoulders in the middle of the day, I'll rub a little bit of that in. Boom. Instant relief. So, uh, again, go to papaandbarkley.com, use code crying, and um, you'll be helping me. I'll be helping you feel better. And you're also going to get help because you get 20% off. That's all I know. All right. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hey, 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 Sunnies. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses. I'm your host, Kayla Dahl. And today... There is someone on the show who is actually certifiably funnier than me. Uh, The way that we met, we were in an audition together. He got the job and I didn't. So it's like, I've been humbled. But instead of creating an enemy out of this person, I decided to make them my friend. Um, Please welcome comedian, wrestler, host of Blurds in the Hood and funnier than me jay washington hello hello don't 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 do that don't do that i'm just the average black dude trying to make things happen i just happen to be naturally blessed with talent to act a damn fool 
Don't don't do that. I appreciate it though. Thank you. I mean, I wouldn't. I'm I'm funny. Let me say something. I won't yes. say I'm funnier than you. Okay. I'll say this. I'm funnier than a lot of these goddamn people be getting these shows out here in LA. You'd be like, I can't believe it. So that's another story that that adds to my depression. But. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I wasn't saying it like to put myself down. It was mostly just to be like this, this dude, you know, I mean, yeah, okay, well, I'm, yeah. I'm here to build I mean, you up. I mean, cause I can honestly go with you on the shit. Like I can appreciate it. Like I'm, <laughs> I know I'm shit. So, <laughs> cause I remember standing in that room next to you and we're just bullshitting and you are just like the, the master of the bullshit artistry that I have never seen. And I, I was, I was quite frankly amazed. Thank you, thank you. Because, because I am also a bullshit artist, and I was like, wow, I have met someone who is my match. <laughs> it's a bullshit extraordinaire. <laughs> like, let's go, let's do this. I really appreciate you coming on the show, especially considering the the fact uh, that I was mentioning before uh, we started recording today that you are the first person I have interviewed on this show um, as Kayla, and it for like season three for mm -hmm. anything so i'm i'm ripping off the band-aid i'm popping my cherry with you and uh lord knows that sounds amazing uh <laughs> i pre now i'm glad I'm, I'm honored to do it i mean i'm honored to be here thank you for reaching out to me and uh, i'm honored to be the one to pop your cherry i figure I, that's the only way you can say that is like i'm happy to be the one to pop your cherry like you can't say it all the way but like sensuously you can't Ooh. yeah 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 you gotta have you gotta have the 1-800 phone 1-800 sex line like yeah so i'm really glad that it was me you know right you sound like you sexy on the phone when you did that, but at the same time, so I've got bills. You want to help me pay them? Like that's what it sounds like it's gonna fall right into right out of the words. Oh, you're saying that 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 the sexiness. Oh, it sounded like there was an asterisk. Right, yours had a <laughs> yours had a condition under it. Mine was just like, yo, so I'm happy to be the one that pop your cherry while you're doing this and get you spot. I appreciate you. You see, what I'm saying how that just came across. Yours was like, yo, so. You want to help pay my rent what huh excuse me wow you know what it was actually you know what you were feeling from me the energy you were feeling from me wasn't that i need you to help me pay my rent but that like i was like okay i know i'm being sexy right now but i need to ask this man about his mental health oh so, you let me tell you something let me tell you, let me start. <laughs> do you know how you be like so listen um so i, I deal with depression how about you, you know what i'm saying what's your anxiety level be like you got to know how to do it you do it sexy like, so what's huh? your anxiety be like uh -huh. you got to be sexy so so what's your anxiety be like that's, you know what I'm that's, <laughs> that's what i struggle with i think because i when i first started the pod i was like okay i got to be super wholesome got to cut the sex appeal out because we're trying to help people with their depression and their anxiety and whatever then i was like you know what no, I'm a sensual person. We can be both. Yes. So, so you know what, Jay, let me ask yes. you something. I ask all of my guests, Go but ahead. I'm going to ask you in this voice, Jay Washington, mm -hmm. mental health check-in. How are you feeling today? Just take a deep breath. Let's check in. Oh, I ain't got to take a deep breath. I'm stressed. <laughs> I got a lot going on. Like I can tell, like, I'm, you know, I've been, here's the thing. I know year, a couple of years back, it was real taboo especially for black men to be open about their mental health struggles, right? Mm -hmm. It was this thing where unless you were on a high level, a high pedestal, you were a high profile individual, you didn't speak on this. But me being what I consider to be a Z-list celebrity, I'm like, you know <laughs> what? If I can help others be open about their struggles, I'll be open with minds. And so 
it's been no secret over the past two, three weeks, I've dealt with a, a, a bad depressive episode. Yeah. It's been no secret that my anxiety has been through the roof because of the careers in which I choose, because there, there is no certainty behind it, if you will. You know, being you, you being an actor as well, you understand is you get these auditions. Now we're doing self tape, which is the majority of them. You do them, you give you give you a good performance, and you send it off, and you think you got it. You don't hear anything. You think you got it, and then you consistently get it, and you're doing that. Well, then add that on top of being a stand up as well, which you pull back a little bit from what being on the stage. But you understand, it's like you want these opportunities just as much as everybody else, and it's not that you don't have the talent to back it up. And you're always feeling overlooked. I consistently have this always feeling of being overlooked and undervalued. Really? So consistently. I, I, so, I, we're being real. We're keeping it a buck. Yes. No, I know. you. I, I appreciate you just coming in guns blazing. That was, I think, also why instinctively I was like, this is perfect. Because if I know anything about Jay is that he is an open book and he's just going to, he's going to let it rip. Mm -hmm. He's going to keep it real. And you're right. There are so many people in the black community, especially black men who will not reveal their feelings because culturally they've been conditioned to feel like they have to be the strong one. They have to be stable and they're not allowed to share their feelings for whatever reason. I don't know. I mean, well, it's been, a it's always been, a well, it's always been this thing in the black community where before I say within the past, before the past 15 years, it was always what you sad for. What mm. you got to be sad over. You better suck that shit up. You better go ahead and do this and make this happen. You don't have time to be sad. You have to keep moving things. Because again, as a black man in America, all BS aside, it's not an easy, not an easy journey just in general. Yeah. So dealing with that already, that is a natural state of depression as a black man and black women, they we all live in. Yes. Just it being in America. So you 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 encapsulate that along with personal issues, professional issues, or whatever the case may be, is something that boils over. And so for me, I, 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 I've recently just felt like, you know, yes, I am in therapy. Yes, I see a therapist. And yes, I take antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. But I felt also- Can we I just take to... a pause? Can we take a pause for the cause? Can we applaud a man who is going to therapy and taking his meds? Yes, yes, thank you. Thank please, you, thank you. please, let's just take a, a, a applause break. And any man who is listening to this, if you want to date a woman who is with it, not necessarily me, listen, I'm, you know, I'm picky as hell, but in general, mm. go to therapy, work on yourself. Do not use a woman as your therapist. You can't just always have your relationship be a therapist. You yeah, can't. Anyway, I, I'm getting off the soapbox. No, no, anyway, no, no, no. So it's all good. It's understandable, but it's like, I just get know, excited when men, when a man comes to me and says, I'm already in therapy, I'm already working. I'm like, this is beautiful. What a yeah, turn I've, had, I've been on, I've been, on, I've been in therapy for the past four or five years. I've had multiple therapists who've all helped. I even, you know, in between my break from my current therapist and my previous one, I talked to a life coach. So I was consistently throughout it all consistently trying to work on myself because it hit a point where I knew that the way I was trying to work on myself by myself wasn't working. So I had to go the route that I tried to stay away from that was always pulling me towards it. And that being the actually seeking and speaking with a mental health professional. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And let's go back to that point, or I don't know how far back we want to go. Cause like, I don't, I feel like I don't even know a lot about your childhood. How oh, far, far back should we go? How far, how far back do you want to go? Listen, let's start this way. Let, let's go deep. Let's go deep. Let's at the start age with of two, ba baby, at the age of, baby J <laughs> at the age of two, I was being, my mom was at work 
and uh-huh. mother's at work and my uncle was supposed to be was babysitting he's supposed to be watching me mm-hmm. somehow at some point he stopped watching me i went out of my room wherever i was in and went into the kitchen climbed on the stove and pulled a boiling pot of water off the stove that went on my head and my shoulder i was i had third degree burns on my head and my shoulder that started there from there you know also being diagnosed asthmatic as a kid but the burn going in, into school uh, caused me to get picked on and teased a lot. So, so you had a lot of scarring from this burn? Yeah, but it was just like literally on the side of my head and on my right arm. That was it. That was uh-huh. only where it was. Thank God, you know. But that allowed me to be teased and picked on a lot, which affected my self-esteem heavily, right? Mm-hmm. Move on. That was going through all through my grammar school years, majority of my high school years, until one day, I don't know what clicked, but I just started talking back. So everybody that said something, I can roast back at you. And the fact was, I just wouldn't hold back. So if you were trying to talk about me, I'd talk about you, but I'm not holding back and stopping. I'm going to the point where you're ready to fight because I always would do that. So again, in the process of doing that, junior year in high school, I get hit by a car running late to school, trying to go back and grab papers that I was supposed to have broke my two front teeth in the process. So now I break my two front teeth. I have this burn. I'm a young man trying to grow up. My esteem is already kind of crushed, but now my facade isn't even better, right? Right, and also I will say like you're already developing the skills of becoming a roast comedian because you had to do it to survive. To survive. It was a survival mechanism. Right. And so- you know, all this happens. And so then even as, as I start becoming a young man, myself is my self-esteem to this day, I'll be honest, I'm grown and my self-esteem to this day still has, I have to remind myself that I'm better than what I think I am or how I feel I am. And so growing up, I would always try to approach women in clubs and bars, et cetera, et cetera, and never, never would work. I met my do- my son's mom. The, I think the reason her and I clicked, my son's mom had been burned in a fire. I'd been burned. We had that bond. We understood each other. You know, we were together. We, we, we actually got together and we, you know, we grew to love each other. We got married. And like after the month of marriage, we split, split because we were like, I don't know how this happened. We were together three years perfectly, got married and everything just went. You know what? I relate. I can relate. So you said that you weren't doing well when you were intentionally trying to go out and meet women. Mm-hmm. How, how did you meet her? My voice. So there used to be this thing in Chicago called the party line. And it okay. was like, it was Tinder before Tinder was a thing. Instead of seeing pictures, it was just through somebody's voice right. and personality. And so I have the gift of gab. I can make, I can, I can, I can sell water to a well. And so I could just talk. And so I was able to utilize that talent to meet women who overlooked my physical appearance because they got to know me. Wait, so inside. for our Gen Z listeners who don't know what a party okay. line is, let's explain. So the like telephone, really- so the yeah. telephone <laughs> has this function at the outside of texting, right? So what it is, it would it'd be like a number you would call. It was a local number. It wasn't like a charge, an 800, 900 number. It was a yeah, local number so you would call. Would it be like, like, because if you imagine um, in the old days, there would be dating services where you would go into an office and they yep. would make a video of you, yep. right? And show it to people. So I'm guessing it's the same kind of thing where you would call in and then there'd be a, kind of like an outgoing voicemail being like, It'd be hey, that, yeah. And then, but, so imagine, again, let's just use that, but also let's pick, let's say Facebook yes. without 
pictures or anything. So you had groups, you had private rooms, all of that. It was all just voice. They were called bulletin boards. Where everybody just leave a message and then conversations would go based on that message. Uh -huh. And then they uh, eventually put a thing in where everybody could actually have a live conference call. So people would talk together. See, that's and the party line. That was all of that was the party. All of it was. Yeah. And so from there, that's how I would meet people. And then of course, you know, groups of us would meet up together in person and all hang out everybody who was in the Chicagoland area. And so, you know, again, the vocal talent, as, as I've called it, was working. Well, another thing that started to help was I took a love of mine as a kid and got into it and that being a professional wrestling. And right. so I was, I was wrestling. I was a skinny, scrawny wrestler at the time, real small dude. But again, I was a wrestler now, so I'm, I'm meeting people wrestling. So the, the, the appeal of the scars now and everything is like, oh, it's because of wrestling and I could use that. You know, actually, I have in my notes written down for you that I wanted to get to wrestling. So you've already segued for me. <laughs> I need to ask you. So yes. I fucking love watching wrestling. I think mm -hmm. wrestling is incredible, completely underrated by a lot of people that don't even try watching it because they're like, oh, that's dumb. Right. And mm -hmm. I find it to be theater on the highest level. That's what like it is. The comedy and the physicality and the commitment. You have to commit 100 percent. You're people are flying through the air. And I'm wondering, one, what made you want to get into it? And two, how did you develop your wrestling persona? Okay. So I've always loved <laughs> wrestling since I was a kid. I used to watch it on TV. Yeah. We used to actually wrestle in my grandmother's front lawn. Uh -huh. A lot of us would wrestle in the lawn and play the Royal Rumble in the lawn where the way you were eliminated, it wasn't a ring. If you were thrown onto the concrete, literally you were eliminated. And so when I turned 20, one of my best friends was still one of my best friends to this day. His name's Atlas. He lived across the alley from me and he had joined Windy City Pro Wrestling. And he was like, yo, I joined Windy City. I've been here for a couple of years now. He was like, you want to come check it out? And I was like, cool. So I went down to check it out. And the guy, Sam Becero, was there. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to have Mike Gratchner show you, show you around. And Gratchner showed me around. He was like, yeah, it's only, if you want to join right now, it's only $2,500. I said, I only won't be joining. He said, well, if you put down 2000 at once, you're good. I said, what part of you thinking I have any type of money like that? Will I be doing this? So I didn't. Atlas leaves Windy City about a couple of months afterwards, joins another company where it costs $40 a month to start training to be a pro wrestler. I was like, that's in my budget. So... <laughs> We would go once every Sunday to a, a garage in Hammond, Indiana. It was a giant garage with a wrestling ring. I learned how to run the ropes, everything. And when it comes to the personality, so all this happens, right? So when you're first starting to wrestle, you don't have it. You have an idea, but you don't know what you're going to do. The promoter gives you a gimmick. And my very first gimmick was a member of the Zulu Nation. Now, I'm going to openly admit this. I had to wrestle barefoot with the dashiki and face paint. Okay. And this was on concrete no, no uh no we had we, we were in the wrestling ring this is when okay. we were in the ring finally this is oh, why i'm actually trained this is what i'm training now this is after training and starting to have regular matches okay and, and, so, and so they gave you this gimmick so basically like whoever the promoter is they just decide what they think is gonna the black guy it. by the way so everybody thinking it's the white guy knows a black dude decide you're gonna be a savage oh uh, okay whatever i'm happy to be in the business at the time right right I'm in for about a couple of years, about a couple of years do, doing this gimmick. And then uh, my buddy, Gordon Dennis, I remember he was like, yo, I talked to Ivan, who was a promoter. I want to bring you in his tag team and I want to do something. We're going to change the gimmick and change your name. 
I said, okay. And I'll never, he was like, you got to think of a new name. I'm on the phone with him at the time. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, these are times people actually talked on the phone. And so I'm on the phone with him. And while I'm on the phone, flipping through channels, trauma life in the ER is on. He was like, I'm gonna call myself rage. What are you? I was like, trauma. And so cool. Okay. Okay. Wait, wait, that there is a wrestler named trauma. I mean, Mm -hmm. that that's, that's powerful. Yep, that's where because because trauma is there could be physical trauma, there could be mental trauma, trauma. there could be emotional trauma. Uh I mean, it's like every angle. It covers this entire spectrum. (laughs) And so, you know, doing that, I ended up getting my one of my first major tattoos, my biohazard, because of trauma. Uh Huh. And so I got my biohazard tattoo. And so we did that for a while. Well, what was your costume? What was your costume? So trauma was just so at the time we went from being the Zulu nation to the new nation. So we were supposed to be militant type blacks. And so we would wear like these koofies and just still have a wrestling singlet, which is a onesie and just the boots and stuff. Well, that started to die off. And then I start, I got asked by Willie DeBomb Richardson, who was one of the top uh, Midwest wrestling guys mm-hmm. at the time. He was like, yo, do you want to join Team Dammit? And Team Dammit was this big thing in the Midwest, in the indie scene. Everybody knew about it. And I got the opportunity. I was like, yes. And so he was like, yo, start buying these singlets like me. And the thing was, I in the process didn't be my own person. It was just trauma and Willie or more so Willie, Willie and Willie's partner. Cause it was nothing yeah. delineating me from him. Right. Yeah. By the way, I just had to Google this while you were talking. Cause I'm not a wrestler. So I don't know the lingo. A singlet is like that thing with the shorts mm-hmm. and then the straps that go over your yep. shoulders that you just think of when you think of like a cartoon wrestler, very yes, absolutely. Old, old school. Absolutely. And, and so, and you got the whole chest out, whole chest out, you know what I'm saying? But the chest, here's the thing, hadn't started working out like right. I do now. So you were scrawny. Still scrawny in a single. <laughs> okay. So causing trauma. A scrawny dude, like I'm trying to be, you know, aggressive and it, it somewhat comes out, but it didn't. Were, were you a face or a heel? I was more of a heel. I like being a heel. They tried to have me be a face. The problem with me being a face is when I talk shit, I talk it so much to the point where it skews automatically towards a heel. So I'm what I'm more so what you call a tweener. I'm in between because I can make you love me and hate me at the same time. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's more fun to be the villain as well. Oh, look, let me tell you something. I got a whole line of things. I have a where's one of my masks. So I have T-shirts that I wear in the ring. Right. And I have hoodies that all say super certified supervillain on it. So the, I'm all about the villain life in comic books. I love the villain more than the hero. Oh yeah. No, I see you on Instagram. And like, every time you're working out, you're like, yep, I'm, I'm pumping iron so I can become a super villain. Super villain status. It always <laughs> says that always says that. And so from wrestling with Willie, we went to another promotion and it was like five, we had ended up becoming in this group called the soul touches. Well, the problem was when we went to, we went to this one company. They didn't want to put all of us together, namely me, because I didn't know at the time the promoters had saw something in me that they knew could stand out from the rest. And so I'm at first, I'm like, yo, I got to be with my guys. This is what we do here. Everywhere we go, we together. They like, nah, not here. You were the Beyonce and they were Destiny's Child. Right. And I didn't know that's what they were looking at it as, but I never looked at it as that way. Yeah, so so you were excluded and it hurt your feelings. It it almost hurt my feelings. Uh And so I got to do this other personality called J.D. Hughes. He was the head of security for Cash Inc. So I got to be this bouncer type guy, right? 
But the process was, as I started having to be this person, I didn't want to be a typical bouncer security wrestling gimmick. I wanted to take what was some of me and add into it as I kept doing. So my personality would start shining through. So whenever you would give me the microphone, like they would give me the mic and they'd be like, oh, do we let him take this mic? Sometimes some people didn't know. Some didn't know what I could do with a mic because they never heard me talk on the mic. But others knew. Others were like, give him that mic. And so they would give me the mic and I would go off and I would cut these fire promos. Fast forward to 2009. I am now working at Cairo One uh, Wellness Centers. It's a chiropractic company. I'm working in the medical billing department. We get free Cairo. Now, while I'm wrestling, I'm doing all type of crazy stuff. Off the top rope, moonsaults, taking chair shots to the head, uh, kendo stick shots to the head. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, people say, oh, wrestling is fake. It's like, well, yes and no. Like, because you are really doing those moves and you yeah. are out there injuring yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to kill each other? No, it's not MMA, but people are still going to get hurt. Because you're putting on a show. You're yeah. putting it's performance. And so I remember working and working at Cairo One, we got free Cairo services. So I remember the first time I ever had went to go get adjusted. They have to x-ray your neck. And I will mm-hmm. never forget this. this. This was one of the moments that I think almost changed my life completely. My chiropractor was a black woman. Mm-hmm. And I remember after she x-rayed my neck and everything, she was like, come in for a second. She said it to me like we was in a relationship. And I was like, this ain't going to be good. <laughs> and so she showed me the x-ray of my neck. She was like, do you see that? I was like, yeah, my neck look good. It's going up and down, straight up and down. I'm good. She was like, your neck is supposed to bend like a backward C. It is almost going straight up and down. She said, I don't know what it is you're doing, but you're going to have to stop or your vertebrae may fuse together. Whoa. So she was like, luckily, it's not fully at that point where it's irreversible or you need surgery. So she gave me the you know physical therapy tips to get the curve back into my neck, which I have now. But at that same time, Facebook's opened up. Facebook is now opened up to the public, right? You didn't have to have a college account, a college email. Right. So I'm just make. I used to always just make funny statuses on Facebook. Just, to, you know, I was just cracking jokes then. I didn't, I didn't think about it in a professional manner. I met this girl named Letitia. She was from New Orleans. She had moved to Chicago when she had her own production company at the time. She started seeing my statuses and I remember her commenting, have you ever thought about stand up? You're funny. I was like, no, not really. And even if I did, I wouldn't know how to do it. So her and I had a meeting and she set up for me to go to this open mic showcase at what was a very historic place that now got torn down in Chicago. What's it called? It was the Checkerboard Lounge. Okay. And the show was called Too Much Talent Tuesdays. She was like, you just got to write five minutes worth of jokes. I was like, yo, I crack jokes on on the mic doing promos all the time. So writing five minutes should be easy. Mm -hmm. In my first set, I destroyed I was dope. I'll never forget. Laurel was in the building. Sean Morgan, Be Cold. A lot of Chicago legends that people have known, now seen on TV and everything. And she was like, okay, you got to let's come back next week and let's do it again. So I wrote another five minutes. Wow. I bombed so goddamn hard. I said, wait, wait what happened? Hold on. I was, I was funny. What, what, what happened? Too much confidence. Too much confidence. Too, too cocky. <laughs> so I bombed for a while. I will never forget. Two weeks after that, I entered a comedy contest thinking I was good. I bombed so bad during the contest. People were quiet. They made no noise at all. That is the one thing in Chicago where if you bad, they won't even talk over you. They won't boo you. They won't do nothing. They'll just look at you. Whoa, that's intense. And so I went in the car 
I was in, I think I was in my girlfriend's car at the time, and I just broke down in tears. I was like, <laughs> but what it made me do was it made me chase being funnier. But at the same time, I'm still slowly but surely still taking wrestling bookings. Also, I'm back in school. So I'm, I'm taking classes, I'm working, I'm wrestling and doing stand-up. But wrestling has to start to take a back seat because stand-up's happening more. But what they didn't, my buddies in wrestling didn't know was the situation with my neck. So I openly accepted all the stand-up opportunities, right? Yeah, so uh, let me just go back a little go bit. Ahead. So this, this moment where you had this x-ray and she told you you needed to stop, were you basically put on doctor's orders to stop wrestling completely? They didn't know. Or- they didn't know what I was doing. No, I, I understand. But for you, how did you internalize that? I, I so my son was, uh, so 2009, Jalen was six. My son was six. Right. And so I was like, I want to be able to play with my son. I don't want my neck to be stiff. And like all these stories I hear of old wrestlers. So I was like, I got to stop. I got to, you know, slow down. But I didn't want to tell nobody because I didn't want to disappoint him. Like I couldn't handle it. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. I couldn't handle the pressure. But I stopped taking bookings because I started taking stand-up bookings. Oh, so comedy kind of saved you from destroying your body. Yes. And also it's shocking to me that you never thought of doing comedy on your own. And someone else had to be like, hey. Never thought you. about it. Right. But you're already doing it within I the never, wrestling world. I and, never thought about and, it. And also like, I guess, because we haven't had a chance to get that deep before i didn't realize i thought it was the other way around i thought you started comedy and then eventually got into wrestling i didn't know it was the other Mm -hmm. way around and now it makes a lot of sense because the amount of confidence it takes to step into a wrestling ring is like huge and that's the way that you're you attack your comedy Mm -hmm. so that's why when everybody's like everybody's always like how is it you don't have like you're never like really nervous on stage i'm like i'm just always nervous about whether my jokes will land that's a natural thing I said, but as far as being in front of crowds, I've done this. Like, this is nothing to me. Yeah. I said, I've had to perform on high levels in front of crowds of 300, 3,000 people. Like, this is nothing. Yeah. So a bar of 60 people is nothing to me. You know what I'm saying? And so, again, stand-up starts opening more opportunities and more doors and everything. And then wrestling starts going to the, going away to the wayside to the point where I can't even wrestle anymore because I'm just that busy with stand-up now. <laughs> Hey friends, so thanks for joining me on this new season, and even though it is brand new song, brand new artwork, brand new me, I still have the same great online therapy resource that sponsors this show. You know what I'm going to say, it's BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest online therapy service. You take a quiz to get matched with a certified counselor who matches your needs, and you can communicate however you want to, whether that's messaging, chat, phone or video and you're just gonna be better for it I promise you so get yourself out of that post or mid or during pandemic funk and get into therapy use my code for 10% off your first month it's a special offer for my crying behind sunglasses listeners aka my sunnies go to betterhelp.com slash crying behind pod that's betterhelp h-e-l-p dot com slash crying behind pod and you'll get 10% off your first month and you will be on your way to feeling better. How did you push through from the point of you're crying in your car and you're bombing and then getting back on stage and trying again and again and again? Because I know 
there's that whole cliche of stand-up comedians being depressed, which is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, how do you push past after you bomb? For me, I was I was chasing that high of first time killing. Okay. I was chasing that high. And I was like, I need to figure out what it was that made me funny at night. So it and was like, it was like a, it was like a adrenaline rush, it was like, an a, adrenaline like, rush. A, like a drug. Mm-hmm. You're just chasing it. Absolutely. And so what happened was I growing up as a black guy, black comic, I thought I had to do the shit I saw on Def Jam, Comic View. I was going to Jokes and Notes, which was one of the only black clubs at the time in the United States. And so I had to be like that. But then something happened where I went to Riddle's Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, I did the open mic. And at the time, the owner, Ken Stevens, used to be in the back and he would watch everybody that performed to take notes. And he told me, I remember when he came to me, he was like, you're funny, it's just one problem. And I said, what? He said, you say motherfucker way too much. Mm. And I was like, huh? He was like, do me a favor. I want you to come back next week, do your same jokes, but try not to cuss as much and see what happens. And for an open mic, because it started, that open mic used to get actual people in it. Sure. It worked. That got me booked my first weekend in a club. I got the book to host. And so then I started trying to be better. And then I remember my buddy Ryan Buds did 50 sets in 50 days. I said, oh, I can do this. And so in the process of doing that, I was like, oh, I'll go to 75. So 75 started happening. I was like, let's see how many I can do in 100. Wow. In 100 days, I had done 130 something sets. It forced me to grow. Forced yeah, that's to grow, like, right? that's, that's your 10,000 hours. You're just stack them up, stack them up. Forced me to grow. And so I didn't know before I met him, I didn't know that Samuel Bede was doing the 10,000 days and stuff like that. I didn't know about that. But I just knew what I was doing to grow for me. Mm-hmm. And so in that process, doing that made me grow, made me write so much material and made for it made me get around. People started seeing, okay, he's funny. And then I started hitting, I hit a block. I hit a block of being funny because it was like, okay, why am I not really cracking this ceiling? Like I'm funny, but I feel, you know, something's not right. And I'll never forget my buddy Xavier Lamont told me, he was like, you funny. But the problem is people never leave knowing anything about you. And oh, I, yeah. You weren't it, revealing anything about yourself. You got to get personal up there. Right. I was all I'm observational. Everything I see and you know, things like that. And again, that low self-esteem thing. I don't want nobody to know anything about me. They good. He was like, nah, you don't get it. He said, once you let people in, they will connect with you way more. He was like, try it. First joke I ever did trying to do that was I talked about my first and only experience doing CrossFit. Okay, here, I, let's pretend I'm in the audience. Tell me the joke. Oh my God, you're asking me to tell a joke a long time ago. Okay, cool. No, I said, you don't um, have to. All right, so no. <laughs> so it was like, no, I'm trying to remember it because it's been so long since I did it. It was about, I said, uh, I said, uh, I recently just did CrossFit. And for those who don't know what CrossFit is, it's like, what did I say? I said, uh, everybody who does CrossFit keeps cocaine in their Gatorade. It's like that episode of The Fresh Prince when Carlton took uh, the pills out of Will's locker. That's how you move. I say, <laughs> My buddy got me to go in because we went to the gym one day. This is literally what happened. We went to the gym and we go in. His buddy, who was one of the CrossFit chainers, was on break. He jumped off, was like, yo, I'm on break. Do y'all want to get a free session? I was like, no. My boy was like, hell yeah. And I was like, no. And I started snapping my fingers and hips. So I talk about my experience doing that and how I just felt abused. I would have people come up to me after the show, was like, oh, my God, that is hilarious. I do CrossFit. And people would say they feel like that. Yes. And so then it started making me open up even more. Well, now again, now wrestling is almost completely done because again, stand-up has taken over. Well, stand-up now opens the door to get an agent out in Chicago. 
my agent starts giving me auditions for commercials. And I'm like, all right, I didn't care until I got my first call back. I was like, they want to see me again? Right, right. Now it's serious. Now it's serious. <laughs> I booked the commercial for TD Bank. And this is when I start. This is when I knew I was going to be an actor. When I booked the commercial, the commercial shot in New York. Mm-hmm. The commercial shot on a Monday after th- after Valentine's Day. That Friday, they had a car pick me up, take me to the airport, fly me to New York just for a fitting, and then fly me back. Come Monday, have another car pick me up, take me to the airport, get there, go in my uh, hotel, which is in the Ace Hotel in Manhattan, give me my per diem. I'd never had a per diem in my life. And how did that feel? I was like, I got walking around cash. I was like, I was trying to think how much money did I have on myself, right? I shoot the commercial. All that happens, the money that comes in, I said, oh, my God. And this is what this wasn't even a national. This was only on the East Coast and wherever you would see Celtics games, Celtics games or the Bruins games. Sure, this is a regional thing. The regional joint. Yeah. But the money I made like almost twenty some thousand dollars off a regional. Yeah. And I was like, wait, I can get this from acting. You know, that happened. I started taking serious. I booked a couple other commercials and then I booked the greatest opportunity in my life in Chirac. And when I booked the Spike Lee joint, I booked another movie. So I filmed, I was filming two movies, two movies back to back in Chicago, like major motion pitches. So Jay, I'm going to call you out right now. Go ahead. I'm innocent. (laughs) I love all the stories you're spinning, but I feel like I'm just reading your resume and I want to get to know you. Okay. Well, I mean, you just asked about that. Oh, I know. No, no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad, but I, I love it. And I actually, you skipped over the Spike Lee joint like it was nothing. So, you know, <laughs> so, like, yeah, and then Spike Lee and this, whatever. But but here's the, here's the best part I did mention yeah. throughout all this. Okay. So throughout all this, I go, I'm going through. Yes. From wrestling to stand-up. First, my divorce happens with my daughter's mom. And when I mean, was my, that? My, my son's mom, not my daughter's mom. My son's mom and I get divorced and we got married in 2005. We're officially separated by 2006. By 2007, we're on a divorce, and then my mom passes. So not only am I dealing with my divorce, my mom passed out of nowhere. My mom passed a week after her 50th birthday. And my this mother, was from what? Uh, heart. She had heart failure. Wow. And, my and- mother, she turned 50, and my mother's birthday is the day after mine. Oh. So she was a week after her 50th. Depression kicks in. You know, I'm, I'm now I'm just like, I'm dealing, I'm trying to keep, that's why I'm always moving. My, whenever I get, if something big happens in a negative light that impacts my mental health and my self-esteem, I keep going to, at the time I was keeping going to ignore it. Again, no mental health advocates, no, no therapists, no antidepressants, anti-anxiety. Oh, I'm the same. I'm the same. When my shit happens, like people are always like, oh my God, you're so prolific. You're so amazing. Why do you do all these things? I'm like, it's because I'm fucked up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because if I sit here and just stew with my thoughts and I don't take an action to move forward, um, even if it's, it's not an action for my mental health, just an action to create something yeah. yep. to leave my house, to get my brain off of it. If I don't do that, I'm just going to be in a puddle on the floor. Right. Yep. So it's just, it's, it's really interesting because I feel like people who had it, uh, had easy childhoods or like have a happy relationship. They don't have that same fire under their ass that you and I do to be like, Hey, I need to get there and do something. (laughs) 
So I'll fast forward everything to the moment that changed everything for me. Well, you said that the neck thing was the moment that changed everything for the you. The neck, it starts. Okay. The, the moment that changes for me to actually start seeking professional mental health. Oh, yeah. So you had, this was your darkest hour. You had your God, divorce. Divorce. Mm-hmm. That's your what, mother, but that, your that wasn't passes. even it. That wasn't no? even it. Okay. I've so fast forward. I meet my daughter's mom. My daughter's born. Yes. We have a mess. Of, I again being in my head. I cheated on my daughter's mom. Mm-hmm. I openly admitted that. Messed that up. We move because in the process we were going to move out west together. She moves back home in Tacoma. I'm here. Well, I was going through a problem. I couldn't find a place to stay. Mm-hmm. Well, in t- 2006. I was homeless. I was living out my car in and LA. My, in LA, yeah. Again, had had friends out here, had family. Didn't tell nobody. Sure, stayed to myself. My buddy, I had a buddy who had money, was putting me up in hotel rooms. And one day, I had that moment. I called my buddy Bobby, and I was like, "I'm I'm done. I'm out." And I almost jumped out of an eighth floor hotel window. Oh my god! It was at that moment he said, "You going to the hospital?" He's like, "You going to the hospital? You going with me?" Oh, I'm having them people take you. And so I was like, I went with him. And so we went and then he was like, just, you better be honest. And so I was honest. And so they were like, all right, cool. You know, they told me everything. They gave me some stuff to calm down and they gave me all the information, everything that needed to happen in that throughout that whole process. Yeah. After that, I called, I got a therapist and I started talking to him. And for the first couple of months, I just was like, man, I'll be all right. You know, it'll be okay. But he was, you know, he prescribed me medication and stuff. And I was like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And then I just was taking it. I was doing what I was supposed to do. And I just was not, I was never opening up to my therapist. Right. And so the meds were probably at least numbing the negative mm-hmm. thoughts, but you mm-hmm. weren't. That's that's the thing is that I am a big proponent of medication, but because it's it, it really helps. But yes. if you're not, if you're not, if you're only doing that, you're only going to scratch the surface because you're just going to numb the bad shit. You're not going to actually dive deep to figure out like why you feel that way or maybe fix it a little bit, right? You're so, dealing with the effects of the disease, the not symptoms. the symptom. Right. You're not dealing with what caused it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it finally just hit the point. I was like, I started talking. I was like, yo, I feel like I fucked up everything. You know, I, I, I had this, I had a marriage that went wrong. My relationship with my daughter's mom went terrible. I, I, I'm out here and I can't find work and I'm barely doing this. And I was booking things, being homeless. I was booking things, living out of my car. And I was doing certain little things and I was like, I just don't feel like I'm doing anything. And then I started being more honest and open. And we even went through different types of medication. Like I went through different medications until I hit, I went through, I forgot which the first one I went through, but I remember when I got on Lexapro and I told my doctor, I said, I will never, I said, I can't do this no more. And he was like, why? I said, I can't come. He was like, what? I said, hey, man, sometimes you got to beat <laughs> off to go to sleep. I said, hey, man, you got sometimes you got to beat off to go to sleep. And I'm beating off forever and I'm getting frustrated. He was like, oh, that is a symptom. I was like, he was like that's a side effect. I was like, you should have told me. I'd have never chose this one. And so- <laughs> well, you know, and it's, uh, I will say, so I've, I've, um, I've taken Lexapro a while ago. I don't take anything daily. I take like, uh, uh, what do I take now? I take Valium as needed. Mm. And, and this is the funny thing about me, Jay, is that I am so up here that Valium just makes me normal. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay? Like I can't, I can't even drink coffee. That's how high energy I am. Uh, but coffee yeah. does nothing for me. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's, I, I guess my point is everyone's brain chemistry is so different and yes. so weird that, 
I want to caution my listeners that whatever bad review or good review anybody gives you about any medication, like you have to take it with a giant grain of salt because there's a bunch of people out there who love Lexapro and then, mm-hmm. and, and who can have sex on it. Right. But then there's other people, it doesn't work. And it's, it's so different for every single person. For me, when I took Lexapro, um, that was actually my wake up call moment at the end of college when I went to the hospital. Uh, <laughs> and I remember when I got put on it, it I was on a few other meds at the same time. So I can't Mm. really blame it on only that, but I became a zombie for a few months, but I was kind of happy to be a zombie because I, my feelings were so intense that I was like, yeah, you just was able to flow through it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, cool. I don't have to feel bad. I have to feel good. I'm just here. I'm just here. Yeah. Yeah. And then after a while, like you're saying, you get into the therapy and you're like, okay, maybe I want to feel like a human again. Can we, can we have a pill where I don't want to kill myself, but also I, I might have feelings. Wait, here, here, here this gets better. I'm on antidepressants doing stand-up, right? Because again, yeah. I didn't, I don't want to open, I never want to be on stage like, you know, all comics are depressed. Never have done that. But yeah. what I am doing is I'm always, I'm drinking heavily. I'm consistent. Oh, no. Like if you catch me at, if I drink at a show, I get one after I'm done and that's it. And I get a tequila and soda because it's the basic thing I can get and I'm good. I don't have to keep trying to down whiskey and shit like that. But back then, but I was, back then, I'm Jameson and Ginger. Keep them coming. Whiskey, Coke, keep Jack and Coke. Keep them coming. I was just going, going. I actually switched to tequila when I did some research. Tequila is a probiotic and a stimulant. Yeah, it's the only um, hard alcohol that's an upper. That's an upper. It's the yeah. only one that's an upper. And so when I found out it was a stimulant as well as a probiotic, I was like, that's why it cleans you out after you drink it. But it's also still not great to be drinking so oh, much. No, 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 absolutely. When, when you're on um, those medication, meds. exactly. <laughs> but, I, but again, now it's like once every. But it's not even at every show. It's just once in a while. Right, and but back then be, you were doing this. You were that, drinking crazy. and and taking these pills. And did it end up coming to a certain point where you were like, "Oh, I can't do this anymore"? It got to a point where I, you know, was talking to my therapist. I had to be open about the drinking. Right. I kept denying it to him. I never get, I kept denying it to Dr. Purdue. And he was like, you need to just be honest. And I was like, huh? <laughs> Cause I guess he could just tell that yeah. I wasn't honest. And so I was. And so the, that happened. And then I almost died in 2018. Mm-hmm. Then I had to have this moment where I think I was patient zero of COVID or whatever bronchial infection they said I had made me get a tracheotomy and be in the hospital for a week on top of being sick for a week, losing 41 pounds in between the two weeks and not being able to eat red meat anymore and change my whole diet and every way I think about things. Wow. But again, the depression, I almost died. My life is over now. And then on top of that, I'm in a horrible living situation. So like I'm almost dying in a terrible living situation just all this shit is compounding. And so my depression stays happening, but I'm still working. It's weird because I'm still working. Like when, it, when I need to, I tell everybody, when I need to be on to be who I need to be, I'm there. Wait, so question, how are you still working? You were in the hospital. You almost died. You said you had mm-hmm. this tracheotomy. So you're oh, in the you ready for this? You ready so for this? When you get out of the hospital, how quickly are you working again? The end of the week. Okay. And that's, I get out. That's I get crazy. out. Of, yeah, I get out the hospital on a Tuesday. I have a hole in my throat. Like I have a bandage over the hole in my throat. By Friday, I'm on Marvel movie news talking about Black Panther. 
Did you put a scarf over that shit? I had a scarf over. Yeah, I had a scarf <laughs> over. But again, as long as because I the sounds weird to say I heal quick. So when they took the tube out, my hole in my throat on the inside closed quicker. Ugh, and so, ugh, <laughs> ugh. Sorry, sorry. I just had a visual. I, I don't. I, <laughs> I was not prepared for the visual, and I just. Like yeah. when, you, when you said that, I felt as if there was a tube being yanked out of my throat, and I. <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't. Again, I wasn't the dude that was like. So this is what I thought about Black Band. I wasn't that guy. I was able to talk. As long as my hole was covered up in the front, I could talk. So you didn't sound like those people in the uh, anti-smoking emphys- no. emphysema commercials? No, no. I sounded like me. Wow. I sounded just like me. See, and everybody was like, how are you working? Because the doctors were like, oh, you probably won't be able to talk normal for like a, almost a month. I was like, I need my voice to work. And so, again, I can't because if I'm sitting around not working, I'm more depressed. Yes, yes. No, I get you. I get you. I, I totally get you. I mean, I I had COVID a few months ago, even though I was vaccinated. And um, it was weird with the testing with the Delta variant because I had a positive test and a negative test. And so it was kind of like, well, let's see how this plays out. Do mm. I have it or not? But it, I definitely did, like, because I still have the effects. And I would say pretty much every day that I was actively recovering from COVID, I was doing one or two self tapes a day. Mm-hmm. And I remember I would lay in bed sleeping um, in and out of like delirious fever dreams. And then I'd be like, okay, here's my one hour. I'm going to day quill caffeine, do the stuff and then go back to bed. <laughs> Sounds about right. I think people don't understand that. They don't it, get it. it. They don't get it. It's there's, there's this thing for those of us that are naturally hard workers and naturally dedicated to what we do. But on top of the fact that we know that expression, an idle mind is the devil's playground, Mm. especially when we're talking about our mental health. Mm -hmm. If we're not busy, our mental health can get to us. Now Mm -hmm. it's not just trying to avoid it, but we all, but we're aware of it. You know what I'm saying? We're aware. We can take those breaks when needed, but if something forces us to break that we don't plan, it's a whole different ball game. No, absolutely. And that's why I got back in on the mic with you tonight. Honestly, huge reason that I do the show isn't it's like two different things. Like I I do this to help people because mm-hmm. I know that when I get out there and I listen to your story, we put it out there, someone's gonna listen to this, it's gonna help them, right? Mm-hmm. But then also selfishly, this really helps me. This is part of my process, right? Is mm-hmm. so yeah, like that's why we do this stuff because I, I like I like to heal people, and when I'm healing other people, it's healing me. It's a whole it's a symbiotic relationship we got going. Again, I'm, <laughs> I'm the same way. And, and I, I definitely can relate because myself and my co-host Winston on Blurts in the Hood, both of us are two black men who have been open about our battles with depression, open about our battles with anxiety, open about all of these things, or having had these dark moments while we will be doing the show while we're in the midst of a depressive episode. Yeah. And we've told people how we're not only just doing this to be to be open for you all it helps us yeah it's therapeutic on top of the people we're going to talk to and yeah because you know what it is is that it's one thing to feel shitty it's another thing to think that you have to keep it a secret Mm -hmm. because then you're doubling down on it by saying oh i'm ashamed Mm -hmm. and i guess because i'm not talking about it it must mean that i'm bad for feeling this way etc etc it's a whole spiral instead of just yeah like you feel bad then you feel fat bad about feeling bad etc instead of just saying you know what i'm a human and sometimes every like there is not one human on this planet who can live 
a full lifespan without having one, at least one day where they feel depressed or mm-hmm. they feel anxious. It's, it's, it's a normal reaction to things. Well, people, that- that's because you have these people who are put on these pedestals yeah. who, that you never, you never see that. But what you don't see is when it goes on. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, people see me, they're like, oh my God, you're in that film or you're, you know, you made that series or you're doing this. And it's like, what they don't see is the millions of nights that I'm like crying because I, I, there's, you know, oh my God, I'm not at the place I want to be in my career. Or I don't know if I'm good enough. Or what if I just work harder or all the self-doubt or the, just the different stuff that goes into it. People don't know because it's just the highlight reel that they see. I'll be, can I be frank and honest even more than I've already been? Yes, I can't wait. There are nights to this day, since I moved, I moved into my new place in May, got my apartment, everything, and I moved out of my horrible situation. But even then, one of the things that always gets to me, and it's always done this, is loneliness. Mm -hmm. So there have been nights where I'm in here just sad and breaking down because I'm alone. Yep. And that feeling of loneliness, even, you know, one of the things that whenever I'm out with my buddies and they're all in relationships and I'm just here, I've been invited out numerous times and I'm like, nah, I'm good. And they'd be like, yo, why don't you come? I'm, I'm good. Y'all just enjoy yourself. I'm good. And the, the all actuality is, I know seeing that I'm happy for them, but I'm envious because it hurts because it resonates with my loneliness. Oh, and honey, so I do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I deal with that a lot. And so, you know, even just a couple of days ago, I was sit, I just sit in here and it's like, fuck, I got to get out this house somehow, some way. And so like, I'll just either go walking when I damn near shouldn't because thanks to the citizen app, I never want to leave my house. But <laughs> you shouldn't be on those apps. I do not look at those apps. You know, only reason I got the citizen app is because my co-host Winston also works on Citizen. Okay. So whenever he's on, sometimes I want to support. But other than that, I'm like, nope, let me delete this. No, no, but- no. Too much paranoia because, like, yes, people do bad things in every fucking neighborhood in America. I don't know. Like- However, but the citizen to make you seem like it is just. here's how I know. And this is another thing that I've done. And this is how I know I've grown. Yeah. Even in my, you know, my journey thus far, when I move, one of the things I said I wanted to be able to do was if I have people come over, you know, people like might want to drink, have a drink, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I have a, I have a liquor cart right here that I'm looking right at. There's a bottle of Tito's, a bottle of Maker's Mark, a bottle of Bacardi, a bottle, two bottles of Tangeray, a bottle of tequila, a bottle of Jack Daniels. If I tell you only like one or two of them bottles, I open because I don't drink like that. Cause I could be here just drinking. So the only time I really drink outside of it, if I'm at a show and if I don't, we do this thing on Blurts in the Hood. For every hundred dollars in a donation we hit, we take a shot. Great. That's it. That's it. But other than that, and then I told my therapist, and I was open to my therapist about that, my new one about because of me, my my set, my struggles with alcoholism. And she was like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "I'm positive." I was like, "I'm positive. I'm okay with it being right there, and me not having to just say, oh, I need a drink.'" Well, yeah. I mean, I think. Everybody who is either in AA or working towards sobriety, they, it's such an individual journey and mm-hmm. it takes a long time. And there, are, for some people like you, your strength is to say, I can sit in the same room as that shit and I don't have to drink it. And I'm powerful because I know I don't need it. And I can stare at it and not have it, right? Yeah, I, you know what I'll do? Like, if I feel like I hit a point one of the things I'm about to I do now, if I feel like it depends on how depends on how late it is. Mm-hmm. If I start looking, I'm like, yo, I could just take a drink. Mm-hmm. I grab my yoga mat and I put on yoga with Adrian on YouTube. I love I do, her. Shout out to Adrian. 
She's amazing. He's and an I, angel. She's an angel. And then I go ahead and do, <laughs> and I do yoga or I do yeah. some work or I work out or yeah, I draw or I draw or I paint because yeah. I, I allow my mental energy to go into other things. But again, I, I'm open and knowing this is what I'm dealing with, but I'm, I'm combating it in other ways that I know are healthy until I can talk to my therapist or things like that. Absolutely. You have to be able to have that self-soothing um, thing. And I just want to say thank you for being open and vulnerable and honest with me because sometimes people get on the show and it's, I, it's always, I never know until I start asking questions. Some people will say that they're open mm-hmm. and then I'll start asking questions and they'll, they'll give me a one sentence answer, you know? And like, I just appreciate you actually volunteering these stories. It's really. It's no really- problem. I, I, because again, it's like you said, this may help someone else. Yes. I don't know. I don't know if honestly, there's another black dude who's younger or even older, who's been thinking about, maybe even killing himself and don't know who to talk to anybody and don't think anybody will listen and knowing that there's ways out of it. You know, again, I was, I almost jumped out of an eighth floor hotel window. And I'm so glad and, you didn't. And you're still here. Thank you. I'm glad I didn't either. Cause I don't know if I, I think God would have been really bad at me. Cause like, this is what I think would have happened. <laughs> I'd have jumped and I'd have lived and then I'd have been really pissed. Cause now I'm around here with my arm stuck to my ear and I can't do shit. Yeah. No, this is fucking great. Uh, yeah. Something's gonna happen to me, like, no, like I, I believe God would be like, oh, you think you're gonna give up on this life? And then I jump, and next thing you know, my legs are turned this way, but I still got my legs. Yeah. Like, you'd be like the world's angriest vegetable. Angriest, just in a just in a vegetative state. Just all of a sudden, I'm just in a hospital bed, just face twitched. So they like, is that from the fall? No, he's just angry. Just, yeah, uh, uh, I will definitely put a trigger warning on this episode, but. uh Anybody out there also, I will throw this in the description and the episode guide. I always do whenever we talk about um, suicide uh, or suicidal ideation is there is the National Suicide Hotline. There are so many resources and so many people out Mm -hmm. there where you can literally pick up the phone no matter what time of day it is and talk to someone um, anonymously who can really just talk you off the ledge, literally, because it's, it's, it's a thing, you know, I mean, it's. It's something that's affected my life deeply, uh, not on the personal level. I haven't gotten to that point, thank God. Uh, but I, I'd say in the in the salad bar of mental health, I'm mostly in the anxiety, panic disorder, and I don't know, I guess trauma, complex trauma. You know, that's that's me. Panic but, attacks? Oh, baby. We, we we love a panic attack in this oh, house. Oh, baby. We, we, we stand a panic attack in this household. But yeah, so- but I have been deeply affected by suicide because I remember when I was 11 years old, there was a kid in my class who was um, the smartest kid in the class. Everyone fucking loved this kid. And uh, he hung himself Ooh. at 11 years old. It was really, I mean, it was a small school too. There were only 30 kids in the grade. And it was just really confusing to wrap my brain around as a kid Mm. because first off like I had already wrapped my brain around the concept of death that was not as big of a deal to me I understood that people who were older sometimes died because they were older I don't know you're a kid you don't think about these things but right the idea of a kid that's the same age as you who is dead first off is crazy secondly the fact that he did it himself that Mm -hmm. was like what and I remember that was when I started seeking out more answers just about uh, life and death and God and what what is this all about and that's interesting because if I if I may yeah please for, for me I saw a lot of death 
Yeah. Where I grew up in, I tell everybody, I grew up in Chicago in the 90s. We had, at point, there was times when we had a thousand plus murders a year. And those were the ones that were only recorded. I've watched people be shot and killed in front of me. I've seen it. Mm. And so I've seen death up close and personal. I've had guns pointed at me, been shot at all these things. And nothing scared me as more as me almost almost taking my own life and almost dying back in 2018 beyond my control. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're out, you're completely out of control. That makes mm-hmm. sense. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And actually, yeah, I, completely. I mean, I think recently when I came down with COVID, I was like, well, if this is it, this is it, <laughs> you know, and when yeah. you have that feeling, yeah. you know, it's a little over dramatic, but my brain, but, but, I, but I, is it though? I mean, here's the thing. It's not because before the vaccination, let's yeah. just be real. People were when, dying. I, I call COVID a Russian roulette virus. Yeah. And people were like, what do you mean? I was like, the game of Russian roulette is one bullet in a revolver, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say it's six people that have COVID. The one person that catches the bullet may be the one that dies and never expected it. Because at first it was everybody with the underlying conditions, of course. But then there were people that were like, yo, they were healthy. Yeah, a fully healthy 30-year-old or something. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to do a different episode on that. I need to find, I need to find someone else who is like, well, you've, you, you had your own thing in 2018, but I, I need to find someone else who kind of went through the similar thing as me who had COVID so we can kind of talk shop yeah. and I can really get down on that because that's a whole other hour long episode waiting to happen, let alone uh, what I'm experiencing now, which is the after effects of it, which for me have been brain fog and fatigue and my lung capacity and my throat. And as you know, when you're an actor and a comedian and a podcast host, your voice is, mm-hmm. is the most important. And so that's been, it's been very humbling to say the least. And it has forced me to slow down. And maybe that was honestly something I needed because I was moving too fast. So now I'm much more intentional. Every conversation I have is very um, important. And like the words that I'm saying are important. I'm not just, you know, so I don't know, it changes things. But what I was going to say, oh, so another question I ask that uh, since we're getting towards the end of the show and um, I have a segment that I like to call Hot Tips. Hot Tips, Hot Tips, Hot Tips. Jay Washington. I'm looking around for the air horns that are supposed to be going off. I don't know <laughs> the fog horns, whatever. <laughs> um, you already kind of answered this earlier a little bit, but I bet you, you've got a lot going on. So when you have a shitty day, whether that is that you bombed at your comedy club or... Uh, you get home and you're feeling lonely because you hung out with too many couples that are too happy. It's unacceptable. How dare they rub that in our faces? Uh, <laughs> this motherfucking kissing together. I hope no, your tongues get no. stuck together. The first weekend I went out after I called off my wedding, I, I cried because I saw a happy couple. I was like, Mm-mm, gotta leave this bar. You're like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Uh, so, Jay, when you have a shitty day, you get home, what is something that you do? What is your hot tip that you use to turn your mood around? Is there a piece of music? Is there um, a video or is, do you take a bath? What is it that you do for yourself? First of all, my thick ass can fit in a tub. You know, at least shoulder, <laughs> these shoulders and thighs ain't fitting in an average tub. It'd be just a shot. But one thing I do when I'm having a bad day, yes, this is something I've always done. I reach out to everybody and I give them positive affirmations. So what that does is while I'm sending out that positivity, it starts to help me feel better slowly but surely. 
because I'm, I'm instead of being just down and depressed, now I'm, I'm, hey, you know what? You're doing amazing. I'm proud of what you're doing. Yo, congratulations on this. Just hitting people up out the blue and they'd be like, damn, thank you. Because you never know when they need it. And so for me, I can dig deep in myself to pull out that last, that energy. And it, it, it somewhat like reinvigorates me. This is now, inspiring. This yeah, is so it, good because I don't want to do this. I don't do this anymore. But I remember I used to, I would have like a list of friends who I would text anytime I was feeling shitty, but I wouldn't say anything nice to them. I would just be like, oh my God, this guy said this, help, you know? Yep, or, I just text, I just text him out of nowhere. Yo, I'm proud of what you're doing. Like, because, you know, we have, a beautiful. you and I both, you and I both have friends in this industry who are doing things. Yes. And there is this really fucked up stigma of, you only hit somebody up when you want something. So I'm like, no, nah. I said, I don't want anything. I just want to tell you, I see what you're doing. I'm, I give a positive affirmation about something, you know, and just let them know, keep going. And like I said, what that does, it refills my cup at the same time. That's so beautiful. I think, you know what? I'm going to start doing that. It's a good, I'm telling you, you know, because you, you, it, you, it is that expression of put out into the world what you want. And I put out that love and that positive affirmation. And again, and it's not even saying it for anyone thinking like, oh, are you saying it? So hopefully someone says it back to you. No. Yeah. Just tell them that's all there's, I wanted. There's actually a book that I was reading recently, which humble brag, kind of crazy. The girl who wrote it, uh, I went to elementary school with talk about people doing big things. New York times bestseller. Uh, it's called buy yourself the fucking lilies. It's a, uh, self-help book. Oh, right now. And she actually used to, her name's Tara Schuster. She was a producer on Key and Peele and a lot of big stuff at Comedy Central. She wasn't on camera. She was just producer behind the scenes. But she wrote this book called Buy Yourself the Fucking Lilies. It's about being nice to yourself and mm -hmm. figuring out how to reparent yourself. And it's very different than a lot of self-help books that try to make you feel bad. This one, it's just like, let's learn how to celebrate what's good about you, right? And something that she said, which very similar to what you said, was whenever she felt down on herself, she would write thank you notes to people, like mm -hmm. actual cards and write something that she was grateful for with that person and send it in the mail. And she would write as many as she could until she didn't feel bad anymore. And I feel like she's tapping into something, you're tapping into something, which is that when you're in that darkness and you shine that light on it, it's going to go away. Mm -hmm. So that's really beautiful. You know, it, it's just, thank you. It's just one of those things. It's like, there are times I feel like we've all felt like we're a terrible person just in general. Yes. <laughs> and we, but we've heard that we've heard that reassurance from our family and friends that we're not. And, but at the point where when we go through our mental health spats, we're just like, fuck what y'all talking about. You don't know what you're talking about, but in all actuality, that's who we are. We are these good people. There is good nature. There are, now, yes, there are people who are just evil by nature, but most of us, are good by nature and we just have to find it. We have to find it in the midst of our murk, in the midst of our fogs that we're going through and our down times and all of our storms in which we're in. Because there is, you always say the, the, the sun comes out. There is light at the end of the tunnel. All of those cliches all apply. Yeah, and also maybe maybe we need to start believing people when they give us compliments. That, that you know what, and, and this, and I'm gonna tell you something, you're preaching to the choir, because I know I do. Because a lot of times it's just hard for me because I'm my own biggest critic because I've, like I stated earlier in this uh, podcast, I always feel overlooked and underappreciated. So when I get compliments, it is very difficult for me to accept them because yeah. again, what I'm trying to build in myself, but because I'm like, 
Yeah, all right. You might say that, but again, when it comes to this, when it comes to that, yeah. So. No, I I started the podcast telling you that you were you were funnier than me, and like being all like doing a whole bit about it. You're like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, no, I don't want to dial back my compliment. And I appreciate you're, it. you're I really on the do. level, right? So you're special. I'm here to pump you up. And you know what? Next time I'm feeling bad, I'm gonna remember what you told me, and I I'm probably gonna text you and and tell you something good. So I don't you know what do. it is yet. <laughs> but, and, that, and that's the beautiful thing. You will, you shouldn't know. Yeah. You shouldn't know. Because if you know, then the, the, the genuine nature of it, if you plan ahead to do this, like, well, if I'm feeling bad, I'm going to text this person this exact thing. No, 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 no. You, but no, I'm not saying you will, but I'm just saying yeah. in general. Because also, I text one of my friends, and I never forget, I text her a week ago because I was going through my thing. And I was like, yo, I just want you to know you're a rock star. You're doing what you do, blah, blah, blah. She was like, how do you know? She's like, you always tend to text me whenever I'm feeling down and I needed something. She's like, you just know, like, we don't, we don't talk every day or things like that. I just can text out the blue. Wow. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, that's, that's how you can be a good friend. You're, you're, it's a win-win because not only are you curing your own loneliness and sadness and depression, you're building a relationship and that's going to help you as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, do you have any other words of wisdom for anybody out there uh, who might be struggling I know we're getting into the holidays are coming up. The mm. weather weather's getting a little bit colder and we're in this weird in-between phase of like, yeah, COVID's still out there, but it's not out there. You know, do you have any words of wisdom for people oh, who are struggling? Yes, I do. Absolutely. As someone who's for the past couple of years, his biggest thing was I couldn't spend Christmas with my babies more than anything. Yes. My, my 18 year old and my eight year old. They are going to get on my damn nerves, but they are my world. They are the reason I bust my ass. Mm -hmm. But I have to remind myself in the midst of all this doubt, I might feel like I'm alone because I don't have them, Mm -hmm. but they're not that far away. When it comes to my daughter, she's eight. She doesn't understand fully what her dad's doing, why he's doing it. My son, however, knows, but that doesn't diminish me trying to go hang with him and be with him. But we're all there people who will feel alone. People who feel like there's nobody, you'd be surprised. There's a phone call you can make, a text message, and just randomly, that person will feel the same way as you, and now you've broken the loneliness for another person, and you two are together in this, and that two builds to four, and then four to eight, and so on and so forth. As as lone as you feel, as dark as you feel, as bad as you may feel, know that there is somebody on the other end of something, maybe a letter, phone call, text message. They are not expecting you, but they will be appreciative and receptive to you. Beautiful. I can't do better than that. Thank you so much, Jay, for coming by on the podcast. And uh, you know what? I think that you and I need to go out without the couples and enjoy ourselves. Tell me when. (laughs) Tell me when. I'm not going to publicize this on the podcast. Yeah, that's, yeah, we don't have this on. That's after this. That's on the after hours. So, Jay, before you go, um, where can people find you and your wrestling and your comedy? And how can we listen to your podcast? All right. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Jay Washington. That's M-R-J-A-Y. You should know how to spell Washington. You're- 
really should. Uh, as far <laughs> as podcasts, uh, the Mad Titan podcast, everywhere you get your podcast from, I get you caught up on all the things happening in the Marvel and DC live action cinematic universes. It is Barbershop Talk with Nerds. Come on in the convo with that. Blurred in the Hood every Tuesday and Thursday, 2 p.m. I mean, 6 p.m. Pacific, excuse me, 9 p.m. on the East Coast. Myself and Winston A. Marshall. We talk about the world of pop culture, entertainment, news, sports, comedy, and more from a blurred perspective. And we are unapologetically black. We are live on YouTube.com and Twitch.tv slash Blurred in the Hood. That's B-L-E-R-D-S, the letter N-T-H-E-H-O-O-D. And you can hear the podcast available everywhere you get your podcast from and my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash jay washington 80 I got trailer reactions, movie reactions, TV show reviews, and so many other different things oh as well. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All of that is there. And then as far as stand-up, I, I always post it on Twitter and Instagram yes. where I'm going to be. So everywhere is easily able to find me. All right. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that it made you feel a little bit less weird about whatever brain shit you are going through because the truth is that you are not alone and this shit is dark enough. We don't need to be alone crying about it all the time. We can get together with our friends. We can talk about it. We can laugh about it and we can get rid of that stigma. So uh, yeah, if you enjoyed what you heard, please don't hesitate. Leave a rating and a review it really helps us out and you can also go to cryingbehindpod.com that's where i post all of the episode guides with any books or movies or special quotes that are from today's episode uh if you want to check out jay washington of course his podcasts are mad titans or blurs in the hood i'm going to put all of his info so you can follow him on socials in the description and if you want to find me i'm at kayla doll that's k-e-i-l-a d-o-l-l-e on all the things uh or at crying behind pod which is the uh social media for just the podcast and i put up a lot of videos of guests and stuff on there um something new that i want to do and since you're you've listened this long i feel like you must be really into what i'm doing here is i want to start doing um, a little advice column, a little anonymous advice. I'm going to set up a Google Voice number, which I haven't done yet. But for now, if you want to email cryingbehindpod at gmail.com with the subject line advice, and you can just anonymously send in whatever it is you have a question about. Uh, There's also a form on the website if you want to just put it on the contact form. I think that might be a little more anonymous. And uh, we'll do our best to give you some unlicensed but uh, sage advice here on the podcast. I think it could be really fun. So definitely check that out. And uh, until next time, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. (laughs) 